great name and you've been so, so good to us. I mean, just time and time again, I mean, we really are dependent on you, Father. I mean, we've seen time and time again how it is you, it is your breath in our lungs. And so all we really can do is just praise you this morning and help us to be a people who praise the right name. And that is your name here this morning. That there's nothing else that will do. When all is said and done, there's nothing else that will do but your name. Father, make us a people of praise of that great name. Father, this morning, I pray that you'll bless the kids' time. I pray that you will just help them to know you more and more deeply. I pray for a lot of joy. I pray for a good time. I pray that these kids, man, you've done so much in there. And we pray for more. And we pray for the same in this room today, that if there is a lack of belief, maybe even for the first time, someone will actually have belief in your name here today. Holy Spirit, penetrate this place. Work do a great work like only you can here this morning. We love you a lot. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Kids, you all have a wonderful time. We'll see you later. Good morning, I'm Brad, and I get to read the the passage for this morning. It's going to be out of Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 through 12. I'll give you a couple seconds to turn there. If you're reading from your Bible, it should also be up on the screen as well. Um, And it says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice. And be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The scriptures are as relevant today as they were then. Amen. Thank you, Brad. Morning. How is everybody? Blessed, absolutely. How could you not say that after... After that reading, right? Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Who's got the Chiefs? About four of you, it looks like. So everybody else has got the Eagles, or you just don't care? Which one? Don't care, yeah. Kind of seem to be in that same mode as well. It's not that I don't like football. I am a football fan, but for whatever reason, I just, whatever. Whoever wins, it's fine. So... Well, hey, my name is Dallas. I'm one of the leaders here. Uh, If you have questions about Grace Meadows Church or if you're new and you'd 
like to introduce yourself, I'd love to talk with you after the service and get to know you a little bit better. Um, what Brad read for us this morning is often referred to as the Beatitudes. And so Jesus is essentially talking about those who are blessed in the kingdom of God. Or another way to say that is those who experience joy in the kingdom of God. And we've talked before about how the kingdom of God is not just in heaven, it's here on earth as well. And one of the most pressing questions that we've got to ask ourselves is, are we truly embracing this kingdom, the kingdom of God, or do we have our own little kingdoms that we're embracing? So another question to ask this morning is, if you were to write your own Beatitudes, who would you say were blessed? I mean, who are the ones who are really well off? Who are the ones who are experiencing joy in the kingdom of God. Now, when Jesus shares the Beatitudes, this is essentially, it's a Sermon on the Mount, and this is, for all intents and purposes, like his launch into the public ministry here in Matthew chapter 5. And this is the very first thing that comes out of his mouth. So think about this time frame, all right? People are starting to hear a little bit about this Jesus. They are so excited to hear what he's about. Could he be the one? And often people thought he was the one who was going to be this warrior king who was going to lead Israel into prosperity, going to defeat the Romans once and for all, and we are going to rule and reign, and this government is going to be in place, and we're going to stomp over all of our enemies, right? And so when people hear him start his message, and he says, blessed are the... Now you've got to think... In this moment, people are thinking, blessed are the Israelites who are going to dominate, have dominion over the world forever. Or blessed is this new government that now will reign, that it's going to be on the earth and the people who have waited for this moment, who have been obedient to God and all that, blessed are they because they have brought about the Messiah with their faithfulness. Right? This was the perception. So when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Man, I, I am sure there were a lot of disappointed people in this moment. Now, there were also a lot of people who were filled with hope, but there were also a lot of disappointed people. Why? Because this kingdom looks far different than many people expected it to. See, the kingdom of God is not really about a condition. It's about the kingdom. And so often, you're looking for those who seem to be unblessed as well in the kingdom of God. So whenever Jesus writes, blessed are the poor in spirit, and he goes through this list, he's really welcoming people to the party who maybe never ever felt like they could be in the kingdom of God too. See, the kingdom of God is about what is unseen, not just what is seen. And there was a perception of the kingdom of God that, that this would be a physical reward for their obedience, their outward obedience. That if they could get it together enough, then the Messiah would come. And so they're trying to make their path straight. They're trying to, to do all these things so that the Messiah would come. 
and then they would rule and reign the earth. But what Jesus had in mind was so far beyond reigning over the world, it was a spiritual reign. It was a spiritual kingdom that he comes about and it produces in us an inward transformation. So we're going to talk through this a little bit more in depth here today. What Jesus did was he raised the bar completely. I mean, he raised the bar for his expectations and he also raised the bar for what we were able to experience in the kingdom of God. He says this in Matthew 5, 20, a little bit later on after the Beatitudes. He says this, and I imagine people just collectively gasped at this statement. He says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Now that initially sounds pretty overwhelming, doesn't it? I mean, if you know about the Pharisees, I mean, they memorized the Torah. I mean, they were devoted to many many good things, and yet Jesus comes and he says, actually, it, it's got to transcend way far beyond even that. And so let's talk about that for a second. What, what was the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees? What, what did they cling to? What, what drove them? What motivated them? Well, often it came down simply to their deeds, to the things that they did and didn't do. And that was basically the extent of it. But in the kingdom of God... It is a whole different level. It is your heart. It is your mind. It is your spirit. And it is your deeds as well. See, the Pharisee righteousness was don't kill anybody. But Jesus' righteousness was don't have anger in your heart towards somebody. The Pharisee righteousness was don't commit adultery. But Jesus said what? He said, if you have lust in your heart, then you've already committed adultery. Why? Because it was this idea about becoming, not just doing. That it would be so much better if we became the kind of person who would not have an affair, not just not have an affair. Now that's different, isn't it? Because if you are already considering should I or should I not have an affair, you're pretty far down that road, aren't you? And so Jesus understood that, you know what, everything starts in the heart. Everything starts in the mind. And he didn't want us to get to a place where we're having to consider the deeds so severely because at that point, we are already the kind of person who would then go ahead and take that next step of adultery of murder, of stealing, whatever the case may be. See, the righteousness in the kingdom of God far transcends. It's a whole entirely different level than just don't do or just do. I think an important thing for us to keep in mind this morning is that our thoughts are, are not just our thoughts. I mean, that you know, people talk about it all the time, like what stays inside, like it's fine, you have your thoughts, but just don't let those affect your actions, but, but that's just not true, is it? I mean, if you are a man here and you uh, are married and you think lustfully about another woman, it is going to be very difficult for you to then go and love your spouse, is it not? It's just not the way that it works. Or for women in here, if you're thinking about 
you know, insecurity and, and diving into that, it's going to be very difficult for you to then be able to teach your kids about walking in freedom from shame and those things, right? It just doesn't work that way. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying you can't just not. You can't just blank. You have to start in the depths of you. It's a whole new level. See, to the kingdom of God, a thief would not just be somebody who steals. A thief would be somebody who would steal if given the opportunity. Now, it's a different, different perspective, isn't it? It's a whole different thing. It's about becoming, not just doing. What is that thing that motivates you here this morning? What is the driving force of your life? Is it about outward deeds or is it about personal transformation? See, I think the Pharisees, so much, they were just about the outward deeds. And consequently, the irony is that when it's just about the deeds, you can't, in fact, for a long period of time, complete those deeds without becoming somebody who can do those things. It's a whole new level. In Luke 12, Jesus says, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And we talked on Wednesday about hypocrisy. It means essentially being an actor or putting up a facade of saying, you know, these are the things that I do in public, but in private I have no desire to actually change the heart towards being able to do those things when people aren't looking. And then leaven, what is leaven? Leaven is the moving, living force of your life. It's what moves you. And see, the Pharisees were concerned about the right thing, and that's good. But what happens is you get so weighed down by just doing that the goalpost actually starts to move because you realize the thing that motivates you is actually people perceiving that you do good. And so what happens is you have, like in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites who blow trumpets. They, you know, they, they give to the poor and they, they blow trumpets so that everybody will see what they're doing. And so the goalpost moves from not even actually doing the right thing, but having people perceive you as someone who does the right thing. But the invitation that we have is through Jesus to become to transform so that whether people see what we're doing or they don't see what we're doing, it just doesn't matter. Because our emphasis is on what is unseen. And another thing to keep in mind, the leaven was, for the Pharisees, was hypocrisy, right? The thing that motivated them was the scene. Well, the thing that can motivate us here this morning is grace. I mean, grace is uh, God doing for us anything that we could not do on our own. And what he's done is he's flipped the perception of the kingdom upside down when he came. Or rather, right side up when he came. Because what, what they thought was, if we can just do enough, then we'll bring about the Messiah. And everything will be good. But what happened was that God said, you know what, you will never be able to reach that standard. And so I have to come so that through me I can make a way for you to be able to transform and not be weighed down by trying to achieve for God. Instead, to be transformed because of the grace he's already given to us. So, with that, let me ask again, what is it that motivates you this morning? I mean, is it the scene? Is it 
is it people seeing you as a good person? Or is it the unseen, the desire to say, God, I I come humbly before you and I, I recognize I just don't have it. I mean, I just, I can never get there. I mean, I'll never be able to earn these things. And I come before you and I ask for your righteousness. And I just truly desire for you to transform my heart. Those two things are very, very different. So with that, let's get into the Beatitudes. So again, Jesus is writing this, or Jesus is saying this. This is the Sermon on the Mount. It would be probably the most famous sermon of all time, and he opens it with the Beatitudes. So these are extremely important for us to look at here today. Now, in in Deuteronomy 28, Moses gives his own Beatitudes of sorts. It is a, a literal reward for outward obedience or outward deeds. But now Jesus is introducing what the kingdom of God is like, which transcends the seen and the literal and the deed. So everything that he mentioned is more of a state of being than it is a state of doing. And I think that's so important. Let's start here in verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We'll stop there. Another way to say that is blessed are those who realize their need to search for fulfillment outside of their own spirit. Right? The the understanding that we have got to call on God for really anything in our lives. I mean, it's that difference between, I think it's Luke 18, where where Jesus juxtaposes the, the Pharisee prayer and the tax collector prayer. And he says that God heard the tax collector. because So the Pharisee comes and he says, God, I thank you that I'm really doing great things. You know, I, I really got this thing down. And so I'm really thankful that I'm like getting approved by you. And then the tax collector says, essentially, God, I can't even look up to heaven. I mean, I just recognize just this great chasm between you and me, and I just, I really need you. This is what Jesus is talking about here. The poor in spirit say, they've got an advantage because they'll say, God, I desperately need you. I mean, I recognize that in my own spirit, I am not getting it done. And y'all, I hope that one of these days when one of you all come to me, and I, I say when, not if, because this will happen. One of you will come to me and you'll say, Dallas, I really have this issue with your character. Okay, And I hope when you do that, my response would not be a defense. I hope that my response would be, oh yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty rough, right? And in fact, that's not where it ends. There's a whole lot there that I just desperately need grace for. Right? May we be a people that just say, yeah, absolutely, I am not getting it done. And God, I need you. I mean, I need your spirit in my life because I just simply can't get it done on my own. Verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, if you're here this morning and you are mourning, you can be confident that God will comfort you here this morning. That God will comfort you. And and the thing that he's done with this message is he's flipped all the expectations upside down. I mean, he said, really, that that it is not a circumstance to experiencing joy anymore. I mean, you guys probably know people who, who seemingly have everything but no joy. And you probably also know people who have seemingly nothing and a whole lot of joy. 
Why? Because in the kingdom of God, you have access to joy through the Holy Spirit. And in fact, the, the Holy Spirit's job, the Holy Spirit throughout the scriptures, provides so much comfort to those who are struggling. We can have joy even in the midst of our mourning. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. David Jeremiah said, uh, meekness is not weakness, but power under control. And I think uh, the meek inheriting the earth is to see yourself as somebody who is under the direction of God in your life. So if you do feel like you are truly under the care of God, that that everything is him, that he is the one who is doing things in your life and you actually need your inheritance to come from him, then that is meekness. But if you feel like, you know what, I'm doing okay on my own, then there's really no inheritance to receive because we feel like we have it down already. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Man, guys, if you are on empty this morning, you can be assured that That he will fill you if you ask him. That he will fill you if you ask him. Now, if you if you want to, he will let you believe that you already have a righteousness. But if we come to him and we say, God, I'm hungry, I I just I'm thirsty for your righteousness, he will hear us and he will meet us in that space. Verse 7: Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Those who look upon others with compassion. In empathy, God will extend that compassion and empathy to us as well. We talked a few months ago about how Jesus would often see a need, he'd be filled with compassion, and then he would act. This is to act in mercy. And those who do that will experience the joy of the kingdom as well. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Pure in heart, as in no selfish ambition. We talked Wednesday about kingdoms and that we all have our own little kingdoms. You know, like there's the kingdom of Dallas. Don't interfere with my kingdom, right? We all have that. Or there's the kingdom of our family. Or there's the kingdom of our job. Or there's the kingdom of blank, right? And so for us to be pure in heart is to say, God, I I just really desire your kingdom. I mean, I just desire your kingdom. I'm getting all these other kingdoms out of the way, and I desire your kingdom come. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, not just the peacekeepers, but the peacemakers, the ones who, who say, man, I just really want to see reconciliation between groups of people, and I just desire to see unity. And I think for us, as Grace Meadows Church, for us to have that kind of emphasis of, man, we're going to be the peacemakers. Like, if there are things going on, we want to get to the bottom of it, and we're not going to shy away from it. We're going to deal with it. We're going to address it, and we're going to have unity together. And, y'all, I believe that There is maybe not a better way for us in this culture that we live in now to show a different way than to bear with each other in unity and keep peace and make peace, right? I mean, you see so many times in the culture, like, you disagree with me on something, we're done. I mean, cancel culture truly is a thing right now. And relationships are ruined all the time. But what would it look like for us to say, You know what, you disagree with me on this thing, this secondary thing, this political thing, this whatever it may be thing, but I got your back at the end of the day, right? I mean, for us as Grace Meadows Church to say at the end of the day, we can disagree, but I got your back, 
Man, that'll show a different way forward, will it not? Absolutely. Verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So just to be clear, persecuted is suffering wrongly. So if you, you know, fail a test, it's probably not persecution. It's probably you didn't study, right? So we're talking about wrongful suffering here. That uh, if you suffer because of righteousness, then we can experience joy even then. In James chapter 1, he says, consider it pure joy when you face all these trials, right? I mean, and those trials are people trying to kill them. And he says, you can have joy in this moment. And that doesn't mean that we go out and we look for persecution, but it also means that we don't live in fear of persecution because God can do wonderful things in that. And there could be a blessing through it as well. So we've got humility, we've got mourning, we've got meekness, we've got seeking after righteousness, we've got purity, we've got peacemaking, and we've got persecution. Y'all, Jesus has flipped this script with this message, hasn't he? I mean, you think about this, humble means, he says humble means, yeah, you can be a part of this kingdom now too. I mean, think about that for a second, think about that. I mean, think about how radical that is to this moment. I mean, everybody thought, you know, if you are going through something, it's probably because you deserve it. I mean, wasn't that the mentality? Like, you're going through something, you deserve it. And Jesus says, no, 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 blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who come in and they're mourning here today. Your suffering is not because of, you know, some sin habit down the line in your family and stuff like that. No, 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 you can be blessed in this kingdom of God. He has invited people. And, and y'all can be sure this morning that we will not be left out of the kingdom of God. That we actually can, if we choose to seek after his righteousness, then we can enter into the kingdom of God and enjoy the fullness of the kingdom as well. I'd imagine that you think stories like John chapter 4 where the woman at the well is just saying, look, tell me what to do. I mean, I, people have told me for so long, just tell me what I got to do to get in good with God. And this moment right here, the Sermon on the Mount, changes everything. He's saying, no, no, it's no longer about what you do. It's about the heart that, that actually shows what you do. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. He says, you will worship now in spirit and in truth. That Jesus has changed everything in this message and with his life on earth. Y'all, you can be sure here this morning that Jesus will look at your heart. That you don't have to measure up to the standards other people are setting for you in your life. That Jesus will look at your heart. And the question I have for us this morning, again, is what is it that motivates you? I mean, is it truly the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Or is it to be seen? Or is it something else here this morning? And if it is that something else, we got a gracious God that will say, Hey, come back to me, and I will show you.
the way forward. It's the God we have here this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for who you are. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you, um, I mean, just the fact that, like, <laughs> you've just changed everything. I mean, we have this perception this whole time of, of what we had to do and all the anxiety and all the, the weighed down nature of everything, and yet you have said, no, no, it's, a, it's about the heart. It's about what overflows out of the heart. And so, Father, we thank you just for the fact that you have brought your kingdom to this earth, and it is still here today, and that we will reign uh, a spiritual reign with you right here, right now. Father, I pray that if there is anybody here today that just, man, they just lack belief. I mean, they still live in, like, their own kingdom and stuff like that, but have never really embraced your kingdom, uh, then I pray this morning that 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 will be made abundantly clear. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll draw people to you here today. Father, we pray. I mean, we know that, like, I, I can't, like, you know, come, come up here and just, like, motivate people into the kingdom. And, and, Father, that's not the way that it ought to be. And so, Holy Spirit, we need you. I mean, I, we, we just need you to do a work in this place. So, Father, I pray this morning that there, if there are those that are still seeking righteousness in these other areas of, of trying to achieve for you. Uh, maybe we just got to see you in, in, in a new way here this morning that, that, that you are the one who has achieved. I mean, you're the one who has come to the earth, lived a perfect life on our behalf, paid the punishment we deserved, and then on the, on the cross you did that, and then you resurrected on the third day and showed that you are better than even death itself and stronger than even death itself and so father i pray this morning for just a little bit of belief and that truth in this room here today father help us if if we are living in your kingdom to embrace this kingdom more fully this morning i mean if there are things that our hearts are set on that shouldn't be that aren't of you i pray that you will just make that abundantly clear here as well convict our hearts holy spirit Help us to see you in the way that you truly are this morning. We love you a lot. In Jesus' name, amen.